Hello and welcome to the Asia Perspectives podcast from the Economist Intelligence Unit. In each episode, we examine perspectives on the economy, industry, and management to better understand how the world is changing and how those changes can create opportunities and risks for business and society, particularly in Asia. My name is Jason Winsunis. I'm senior editor with the Economist Intelligence Unit, and I'll be your host for this episode where my colleague Rohit Segal, principal of Global Health for Asia at the Economist Intelligence Unit, joins me for a discussion about the cross-section of healthcare and sustainability. Rohit is a global citizen born in India, grown up and lived in Singapore and Malaysia, and has over 22 years of active healthcare agency experience across multiple emerging and developed markets. Before joining the EIU, he led the commercial, strategic, and creative expansion of Ogilvy Common Health and WPP's health and wellness operations in Asia-Pacific. Prior to that, he uh, managed McCann World Group and IPG's health operations across Asia, Africa, and the Middle East for 10 years, working with partners ranging from NGOs and foreign aid programs to multinational pharmaceutical and healthcare firms, as well as government agencies and public sector organizations in Southeast Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, and the Middle East. All that experience is why we brought him aboard at the EIU and why I've asked him to speak with us today. He's also currently pursuing his master's in public administration at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy in Singapore. Now, for the EIU in Asia, most of the uh, research that I personally do falls into an ESG investing category, environmental, social, and governance, which the pandemic has helped to highlight as a proactive way of investing that can channel funds towards business models or infrastructure projects that are holistically more supportive of society than, say, investing in weapons or fossil fuels. Uh, Recently, the ESG has also been shown to have positive defensive measures because a strong ESG screen, which relies on that governance aspect, can keep your investment dollars or yen out of fiascos like, say, Enron, Uh, but also out of stranded assets like sinking skyscrapers or abandoned coal-burning power plants. Of course, the risk-return debate is still raging uh, with ESG, especially over what metrics to follow or what's material to report. That type of debate has been ongoing and often brings us to a baseline question of, okay, what actually is sustainable or sustainability in terms of finance? And I interview a lot of people on this subject and particularly about protecting investments from large systemic risks such as climate change. And in 2020, COVID-19 definitely amped up that dialogue. Everyone from the largest asset owners like Japan's pension fund to casual retail investors are talking about making the world more sustainable and using finance mechanisms to make it happen. So COVID very much brings that debate also into the healthcare arena where questions of price performance or risk-reward are also questions of life and death. So I pose this sustainability and healthcare question to Rohit to see if the industry he watches is having much of the same debate. And he said, the topic of health and sustainability is so broad, you could fly 10777 straight through it side by side. Now, that sounded like a conversation we need to have. So with no further ado, welcome to the podcast, Rohit. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's talk about some of these 777s you mentioned. Uh, Let's start off with some broad strokes, and then we can drill down. 
what are the biggest sustainability challenges in healthcare? So, Jason, I, I think it's, it's it's always interesting having this topic, and um, by uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, Boeing's and Jets and triple sevens as wide as all of that, I think it brings to the fore the real challenge. And you know, the the, the issue, as you mentioned, that what COVID's done is uh, we talk about devastating health, social, economic, financial impacts all over the world, but folks like the ADB are estimating that global output losses in 2020 can hit something like $4.1 trillion. And a lot of that actually sits within what we consider as healthcare services and healthcare sustainability. Now, when we think about the, the area that the ecosystem of health uh, occupies, it's so broad. And when we think about sustainability factors and issues, the analogy of having uh, 10 large airlines uh, immediately comes to mind. Um, and it's funny that we got onto this topic and it's, it's just led to this conversation today. Fact of the matter is that when we talk about sustainability, there's such huge deviations between public and private healthcare systems, um, even within this uh, geography that we're in here in Asia, within Southeast Asia, for example, you've got anywhere from emerging to developing to develop. And the way that each one of them approaches uh, healthcare standards and uh, ways of creating more efficient ways of treating patients and diseases and uh, health service providers, it's an, it's an extremely broad and challenging space to be in. Now, the focus is on Asia that if we try and define what's good and what's bad, it's, it's, it's a hard one to try and really grab a hold of. And I think the best way to try and say this is that the way patients, hospitals, large healthcare providers interact with one another that's where you start looking at the uh, the potential for waste. And waste isn't always measured in terms of the physicality of it all, but it's also the uh, the overall uh, broader sphere of what uh, uh, healthcare really tries to offer. For instance, to make it simple, think of an average day at your nearest mid-sized or large clinic and hospital. And unlike the hospitality sector, this isn't always on industry because illness and accidents, they never plan in advance. So everything from lighting, water, electricity, surgical, sterilization, uh, the laundry, uh, the list goes on, the human waste, radiology that has to be on standby, and the various toxins and releases, etc. That constant preparedness um, is what actually is considered a focal point of where sustainability practices need to be evaluated. But that's just the hospital. So in a way, that's just what's at the surface. What about the trip there? What about the transportation as patients begin to get ready for that day for surgery or for that uh, check-in at the A&E? The parking, the infrastructure, the way that it actually all comes together as a city, it's a hugely complex and necessary set of sequences that seemingly can't be done without. And many times it's this sense of lack of accountability, or I think as uh, sometimes it's been said as an SEP, someone else's problem, uh, that makes it such a wide, wide conversation. And it's, it's really, as I, as I think, it's a, it's a sum of all these intricate parts that we end up looking at, which is a bit of a shame because the broadness uh, of what uh, sustainability in health is can actually be something much more specific and, and needs to be, particularly as we emerge out of uh, the pandemic as we are. So let's start with with hospitals then. 
since that's the, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, you know, they tend to be outspoken on, on health aspects of the environment. And less pollution ultimately means less disease, for example, very broadly. So that shouldn't be a controversial position to get behind. Yet hospitals themselves, like you say, are big energy and water consumers. The way they and large healthcare providers operate is supposed to prioritize patient care, I assume, part of that life and death risk reward profile I mentioned. So how blurry is that line actually between saving one life right now today and adopting practices through, say, reducing electricity or ensuring laundry is cleaned with biodegradable detergents? Or, you know, I guess my, my question is along the lines of, do you see some discrepancy between the public messaging and private action? You know, is this a do as I say, not as I do type problem? Yeah, I, I think this is actually beginning to sort of get closer to that narrower angle because it's it's, it's it's an area that unless we start to recognize just where we were two years ago, even uh, before the pandemic was in anyone's purview and look at us today, um, we're truly living in historic times. I mean, that, 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 that old line, you know, may you live in interesting times is, I believe, actually a curse. It wasn't actually meant to be a, a good fortune. And, you know, that presents tectonic societal shifts, as, as you're mentioning, the, the life and death situation, the risk and reward profile has been painted in a very different scenario now. If you think of it in 2018, 2019, the traditional aspects of how uh, various procedures or diseases were treated were traditional. You, you know, it's, 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 it's as if we're looking back in time, just two years back. And when you think about how digitized and fast-paced this world of ours has gotten, literally in 15 or 16 months, it's, 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 it almost stands to reason that if we can start to apply some of those prioritizations of patient care into the world of health, you start to see where some of those sustainability solutions may actually lie. Asia is one of these interesting geographies, isn't it, where we sometimes forget that it's really just been a short span of time uh, since it's emerged from not just a, uh, the devastation of World War II and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the shadow of colonization, but it's actually started to look at ways of better quality of living, access to better food and eating habits alongside with that, sedentary lifestyles, the access of vaccinations, antibiotics that ends up saving millions of lives. That prioritization of patient care came at a cost. It came at a cost because at the end of the day, there was such a large volume of, uh, of, of people, of communities that were suddenly accessing healthcare, uh, living better, but perhaps not well, sorry, living longer, but perhaps not better. And that's resulted in this complexity that the dependency on a healthcare system uh, has had to stay one step or a few steps ahead. The expectation of having uh, this, this, this sort of care services that is always going to be there when we need it is, in some respects, machinistic. It's, it's cold and it's clinical. But as you said, it operates on this fundamental human condition where either we're valuing lives and at the same time, trying to measure up how we can offer more efficiencies by it, um, or we're going to try and really hit a tipping point where uh, certain uh, 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 you know, issues are going to be had. It's the, it's the heart of what most nations are struggling with now. There's been reports that we've been working on uh, in the last year or so, which is, which is really throwing up some interesting aspects about value-based care and 
uh, patient centricity models and indexes and what that's showing is such a huge departure from where things were five years ago and where today we're looking at things like equitable healthcare. You know, equitable healthcare means that we can give citizens the best possible chance of thriving. But again, we sort of come back to how and where do we draw the line on when does it get uh, inefficient and we start looking at those sustainable issues as they begin to factor in uh, to this recovery as, as most countries are getting into. At the end of the day, if it's a 24-7 gateway, which is what health is usually perceived as, and it's got to provide a range of available solutions, uh, yes, there, 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 there needs to now look at ways of finding uh, control for wastage, but at the same time adopting newer technologies uh, that we can get into perhaps. But you know, it's almost like a question of, is this a healthcare issue? Or is this actually now becoming more a societal one where we need to be looking at all of these various components to to get to a uh, to get to a to, to, to get to get to a goal? So you've uncovered some stuff there about uh, how we go about things that I think is interesting. So are there some practices uh, that could be adopted at scale that might make healthcare a greener endeavor? So. Exactly right. Um, so the minute one starts to look at the various uh, tentacles that are connected to healthcare and healthcare sustainability, as the as 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 the question is posed, um, what we're seeing now is that there are things that are beginning to adopt and adapt. Uh, essential services. If you remember when transportation uh, uh, began to get uh, disrupted, supplies were beginning to get disrupted last year. It's, it's, it's not as if uh, communities and countries just completely gave up on itself, but there were solutions that were found. The solution at the, at, the, at the very crux of it is that the physicality of being in a hospital was turned on its head. And that has great repercussions in a positive way for the question of sustainability. Because before, if it meant hour-long waits in the waiting room, uh, moving from doctor to doctor, if there were comorbid patients with different chronic diseases, each one of them having to go to different parts of that hospital or even different parts of the city, uh, suddenly became more virtual. Uh, there was a education program that was driving more awareness on software and hardware that could enable physicians to operate uh, from the convenience of their homes and at the same time have the quality of the uh, hardware that they could begin to have uh, consultations with their regular patients. And this is, this is serious because we're not talking about acute issues, we're talking about chronic, we're talking about cancer patients, we're talking about those who are on various different forms of treatment and the question about adherence and compliance is, is, is a big worry. So the initial, I guess, period that shook us in terms of the way that the pandemic through things to all corners was, was a scary time to sort of experience. But then it came through in terms of this always-on capability that things like electronic health records, uh, patient data repositories that were always being treated as second priority by most governments and by, both, by most institutions were now being invested in. We had the folks like Microsoft, AWS, Google coming together and finding ways to partner with hospital service providers to create you know, things like e-triage protocols. So no longer do you have to go and wait and be told whether you need to see the doctor or not. 
you may also be able to have virtual uh, uh, consultations that can save you and the city a lot of time, a lot of pollution, a lot of transportation costs and more efficiencies. People are just able to do things quicker, faster and better. Uh, previously, I guess the lack of regulations, if I can touch upon this, is that there were no regulatory frameworks that were consistent enough that were bringing or incorporating healthcare pollution standards or carbon footprints that were converging with a lot of smart city planning. Smart city planning used to tend to look at livability standards, but healthcare used to be treated as somewhat of a, uh, you know, sort of keep it in the back room. It's not something that everyone wants to generally know or want to know a lot about. No one wants to be a customer of illness, of course, but it's a reality. So now you start seeing that ways and means that we can begin to see convergence out of necessity are creating uh, uh, an outcome that's more of a benefactor than it used to be before. I mean, I guess if the way to think about it is that if you know, carbon footprints and planned hospitalization priorities uh, can and should encompass illness to wellness spectrums, if that makes sense, sort of looking at it from the sickness angle all the way through to staying healthy, then traveling time, distance to and from the hospitals, the multiple pharmacy trips, uh, the use of home care medication and palliative care the list then becomes actually quite, 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 quite interesting, and 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 you know the frequency of how long and poor appointment taking, etc. We can now start to create a uh, an innovation standard. Now that's beginning to happen with more frequency that we're seeing in the last six months. Uh, so particularly as this year is now beginning to get into the you know the, the real sort of planning phases, that there's more methods to look at technology-driven solutions than they probably were before. So in a way, it's, it's forcing this agenda that healthcare needs to now become a integral horizontal, one should say, to smart city standards and creating frameworks that, uh, that, 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 that policymakers can start to make some sense of. So I want to drill down a little bit on that regulatory question. And uh, the thing that comes to my mind is the sort of science fiction promise that I was certainly fed during the 1970s and 80s about how, you know, AI was going to be my doctor and robots would fix everything. And we are seeing, you know, this year for sure, there's a lot more instances of, say, uh, radiology readings being done in one country where the patient is and the analysis being done by AI somewhere else across the world has the the regulatory part of that caught up to allow that sort of uh, diverting of resources, you know, to help that twenty four seven sort of always on healthcare? Like, is that part of the picture yet? No, it's it's always been part of the dialogue. The the, the issue has always been um, from a, from a, from a couple of angles, from a public health system and, and from a government system, it's been the concern about data privacy and patient records and who owns the data and where does that data reside fundamentally. And that, that was the whole sort of, you know, GDPR question that, you know, how do we allow for uh, uh, more efficiencies in managing patient care uh, when the risk of losing some of that data can have some uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty big repercussions. And we saw that some years ago in Singapore. We've seen that in other parts of the world where 
these sort of uh, data hacks and data leaks can have some devastating consequences, uh, HIV patient records being leaked and so on. So that I think puts such a, uh, a, a scare or the topic in, into, into, such a, into such a fine light that it became almost a uh, uh, status quo that the recognition and understanding that no longer could either private or public health spending allow for this kind of siloed, fragmented approach to health meant that the approach towards more technology-driven, as you say, the sort of AI future uh, needed to be a reality. And I think there was an analogy that one of the, uh, one of the professors I was speaking to at uh, the ILKY school was saying that, you know, it's almost like the analogy of the, the elephant on a pin where it, it was bound to double over at some point and it just needed some sort of a tectonic disturbance. And of course, came along the you know, uh, COVID and the pandemic to do exactly that, where you know, it's, it's no longer possible to allow for uh, that traditional approach. So for instance, I mean, if there's a patient who's got, let's say multiple comorbidities is suffering from uh, a metabolic syndrome uh, typically may also have certain issues with glaucoma, eyesight, may have other wound issues and so on, high blood pressure. You can imagine that that one patient has probably got to traverse the entire uh, pathway of uh, health system every three days, every four days. You multiply that by the number of people who suffer from various debilitating diseases and it runs into tens of thousands at any given time. The approach of electronic health records has now become a central priority for many governments. There have been studies that uh, the EIU has been involved in around personalized care that show uh, uh, you know, that we can actually begin to have uh, public-private support through forms like gov.tech here in Singapore, uh, the work that's being done out of Taiwan, for instance, and even Thailand, that is beginning to converge more machine learning, more data repositories, uh, allowing for this more fluid uh, understanding of the situation between technology and health, as well as in terms of the pharmaceutical industry, which at the end of the day provides the solutions. Um, and it's, it's a place where I think whether we're in that AI future, uh, you know, of, 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 of where we're meant to be as yet, probably not. But are we being forced to accelerate and get there quicker? Definitely. And at the end of the day, will that give us a new practice that healthcare professionals, administrators, uh, policymakers are going to have to define? Absolutely. I, 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 the reason I get excited with this topic is the fact that um, it, it, it was always left at the door of health and health ministries and health stakeholders to solve what is otherwise a very multilateral and multifaceted problem. The, allowance for there to be more of a diverse integration of conversation to be had through technology particularly uh, is going to probably be the one that's going to give the best and the fastest results. So the answer, the short answer, are, are we living in that in that future uh, right now? No. And I think there's several steps to still get there. Uh, are we headed there sooner than we were maybe a few years ago? Absolutely. Um, and that's something definitely to look forward to. Great, Roy. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jason. And thanks to all of you again for listening. For more on EIU research, you can visit our website, perspectives.eiu.com. 
you can look at all of our healthcare and sustainability research. There are separate tabs for both of those. Thank you and good day.